0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Stoke the Wild. We're so glad that you're joining us this week as we continue conversations on creativity, pop culture, and all sorts of weird. And this week, we are getting weird. Joining us this week, um, as always, it's me, Nick, and, and my wife, Joy, as we hi. continue to talk through this stuff. But joining us this week, we bring back, I think for the third time on the show, our good friend, Caleb King. Uh, Caleb, say hey. hi to everybody. Hi. How are you guys? Great. We're doing great. So good. Good. (laughs) It's like the the invisible audience. We always answer for them. Uh they're doing well. Yeah. Driving in their cars, sitting at home, listening to podcasts while lounging by the pool. I don't know.
1: What I mean, what more could you ask for? Right? I mean, lounging by the pool, are you in like Miami right now? I don't know. know.
0: Who knows? We do hey, I just want this is a shout out to all our international listeners. Uh, because we do have some in Australia, New Zealand, and Taiwan, and England, and It's um, warm France. in Australia now, isn't it? And it's getting warm, yeah, because... Oh, man. Yep, so shout out to our international listeners who might be lounging by the pool as they listen to this. Um, but we're going to get well, weird have, this week.
1: Have a drink for me, everybody. You know, if you're by the pool, have a drink on... Not on me, because I'm not sending you money <laughs> for <before laughs> me.
2: But, <laughs> but you <laughs> know, in my honor.
0: Yeah, you can request right, there that through there his cash app. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. kidding. just kidding. <laughs> yeah. He's getting all these messages like, "Uh, you owe me six fifty for this uh, tiki drink."
1: <laughs> oh, these these hotel prices are killing me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I was on a cruise. There was nobody there because of COVID. It was all covered anyway. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a weird, weird episode. We're going to have some fun with it, though. Uh, Last, I believe it was November, when you were first on the show, we talked a little bit about some uh, scary stories. And because we're approaching Halloween and it's that time of year, we're going to be talking on this episode about, first of all, some scary, funny, weird stories that have taken place that I know Caleb has experienced. I may even share one or two of my own. Um, And it's going to be a fun topic, but also like how – Things that are weird and scary sometimes influence how we create things, especially for writers, storytellers in that way, how it influences the way we we draft a story or create a world around what we're building. Um, or even as artists, you know, perhaps we're influencing what we uh, paint or draw or make in that way. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. And uh, look, we're recording a- as I speak right now. So content warning in case something is too scary for you or if you have young children who may be like, I don't. I don't want to listen to this, mom. Turn it off, mom. Mom, turn it off.
2: Just turn it off now. If you, you know, have young kids,
0: just just go ahead and make that call as a just parent. We or, trust you.
1: Or you know what? Or or don't, and pay all that therapy bill later.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> it, it's, oh, it's your choice.
1: It's your choice. America, Look, our kids are
2: probably still. all going to need therapy anyway. It's <laughs> <Yes>. fine.
0: <laughs> they sur- If they well, survive twenty twenty, they are going to need therapy. So
1: yes, yeah, oh, so I think just yeah. by virtue of the fact that you existed in this year, therapy. therapy.
2: Therapy.
0: Should be free. It should be part of our like future it's, healthcare yeah, totally options. Agree. So, um, anyway, but yeah, specifically because of this. Anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> we're gonna jump into this before we begin in, into the uh, scary stories. Let Let's talk a little bit about um, maybe how how what first first time maybe Caleb that you can remember like being afraid of something, whether that was like the the Afraid of the Dark, or maybe you saw something in a commercial on TV as a kid. What was one of the first scary experiences you had where you remember, like, I'm afraid, and then how that, like, impacted you before we get into even the stories we're going to be talking about on this episode?
1: Sure, sure. Oh, man. I mean, one of the – I think about this every now and then. It's like my my brain, I'll be kind of just like in idle mode, just kind of letting things come to me, uh, which I like to do because I think that's an extremely creative – exercise is just kind of being open to whatever your subconscious decides to kind of push up to the surface of that, you know, that giant ocean of consciousness in your brain. Um, But every now and then I'll be reminded or think about this dream I had. I couldn't tell you how old I was other than maybe between four and five years old. And I, I still can see the dream that I had as if I just had it like right now. Uh, and it was just like colors and weird kind of like, almost like paint strokes. Um, but, but it seemed violent and it seemed very like, um, just aggressive in nature.
0: Mm.
1: And I don't know what it was. And, but I just remember waking up in my bedroom. Uh, which was just kind of off the hallway of my parents' bedroom. and I just got up and climbed in bed with my mom and dad and I felt safe. Uh, and again, I couldn't tell you why that dream was what it was because it was it may have only been like five seconds long. but it was enough to wake me up and to instill me with this feeling of like just deep, deep dread, not even like panic, but just like like that, ominous feeling like you know something is wrong and that, that the hairs on the back of your neck stand up that kind of just you know almost like supernatural oppressive force is down on you and i just like uh you know screw this i'm out of here and <laughs> yeah. you know got up at you know five years old said screw this threw the covers <laughs> off <and> ran <laughs> in my mom and dad's room right yeah
0: i'm uh, going to so, mom and dad's right <laughs> <It's laughs> pull a uh, right. that, that's interesting. I've talked about this a little bit before on the show. And then one of my first like <coughs> scary memories was a dream I had as well, like between, uh, seven and eight. And it sounds funny in retrospect, but as a kid, I was terrified of it. Oh, it was, sure. it was this dream where I was either, it, it was in two locations. I was either, uh, underwater in like an old timey scuba suit with the hose that went up to the boat, or I was an astronaut with the hose going to the spaceship connecting me. And in both instances, a bowl of frosted mini-wheats would flow by and I would be so hungry in the dream that I'd take my helmet off and either drown or watch my head shrink. And, like, I would wake up. And I had this dream for, <laughs> you, for you. I'm sorry I'm laughing at your pain, <laughs> but that's hilarious. I know. <laughs> like, it, I, like that's why it's funny now, because, like, yeah. of course, like, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. But as a kid, like, I had that dream for, like, two years straight. Like, several times a week and like it's seared into my mind i can remember just being like horrified of like this idea of being underwater or in space but it always presented itself with this i'm taking off my helmet because there's food
1: did did somebody traumatize you with frosted mini weeds no i I love them
0: (laughs) i love them still to this day i love them i I don't know what it's amazing yeah it's amazing i love that yeah
1: i mean like it's weird what like Like, I don't even know, see, I'm, I'm, I tend to be like, it took me a long time to, to recognize this about myself, but I, I am kind of like, uh, like we were talking earlier today uh, about, you know, uh, preparing kind of like for today's podcast. And uh, I mentioned kind of the idea of the, um, the X-Files and I'm a giant X-Files fan. And, uh, you know, going back, you know, they're, 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 Some of those early episodes are really hard to watch, (laughs) but uh, I love the concept and I love the characters anyways, but I used to be all, you know, team Mulder, the, the believer, the one who like was trying to get to the, to the heart of all the supernatural or the alien and the unexplained. And he, he was just such a, such a, um, like a flawed believer in all of this. Like he wanted so desperately to believe in all of this. And then there was always the killjoy of, of Scully, who was the, you know, the doctor and the, the, the scientist mindset, who's like, Mulder, I need evidence. Right. And it, uh, so I always used to identify as as team Mulder and, and the older I've gotten, the more I've recognized in myself that no, I am 100% team Scully. Um, I need, (laughs) I need empirical, peer-reviewed evidence to yep. believe in these things.
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: and and it's it's like it's weird because I also identify as a man of faith. Like my my um, you know I, I hesitate to even use the word Christian because that comes across now with such baggage. Uh, in, in 2020, right. um, the word, that, that word is really hard. And so it, it's not that I don't like that word or everything that I believe it to mean. But if I say that to somebody else, they're going to think their own thoughts of what that means. So right, I tend right. not even to use that word anymore. Right. So, But I, I am a follower of Jesus. I love his teachings. But even amongst other Christians, I am kind of an outsider because I have some views that a lot of them don't think are accurate and you know i'm not even going to get into those um but i live in this weird kind of tension between evidence for supernatural encounters and uh, things like that and uh having faith in something that i can't test and see in a scientific manner so it's um it's weird for me but but i live with that tension and you know it's uh it's interesting Mm from my perspective to, to look at these stories and to, and to think about, um, like, why do we, uh, interpret dreams the way we do? Why do we see dreams as, um, more than just our brain processing information? Uh, because, you know, uh, our brain will always attempt to find meaning in nothingness. We'll see a bunch of things and try to connect them with, uh, with with meaning, we prescribe meaning to things that are meaningless, um, and uh, and dreams I think are are that way all the time. But we we, but then there are times where I will sit here and dream, and I am in control of the narrative. I am controlling what's happening, and I know that I'm doing it, and so that throws my whole um, idea and my whole philosophy of that right out the window. So I I <laughs> I don't even know where to to begin with. With, like, uh, talking about those things from, from a show-me-evidence kind of perspective.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that enters, like, a whole other realm of, like, ideological understanding between the conscious dreamer and then the subconscious dreamer and the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and what is yeah. interconnected and interpolated because of that, uh, which is, <laughs> I think, a whole other conversation,
1: but... <laughs> It oh, is, man. It is the and then for thing. me, I like living in, in the in between the conscious and the unconscious mm-hmm. uh, and and like the surreal, the, the waking dream kind of stuff. That's yeah. my sweet spot right mm. there.
2: Yeah. So. Well, I I'm feeling like mildly mm-hmm. left out right now because you guys shared your first scared experiences and I didn't. So I'm going to go ahead and just. Oh, please do. Because I just started my... railroading
1: right. No, over no, no, you're
2: fine. Trips. I <laughs> was like, OK, they had their thing and I'm going to just be quiet because for me, I like. I don't remember ever not having scary dreams. Um, so, for me, that's kind of, I don't know, like, just n- normal or typical mm-hmm. for me. Sure. Um, but I do remember the first time that I was, like, actually deeply scared. And um, this will give you a, a little insight into what we were talking about before when it comes to, like, how, how low my threshold is for scary. Um, I was... A young kid, and um, did you did you remember like the real old Winnie the Pooh movies, like the half hour? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So, the the I, I don't know is it an episode? Is it a movie? What is it?
0: Uh, originally they I think were on VHS. Like I don't, I I don't they remember. Were like, w- they were like serials, like episodes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but are you are you, you talking?
2: We're gonna go there. Okay. So the episode where. Rabbit gets lost in the forest and he hears all the frogs, and like his eyes go swirly and he freaks out. And then, um, and then Winnie the Pooh and Piglet like stumble upon him, and he's fine, he just like came up with all of these weird things in his mind because he was alone and freaked out and couldn't find his way out. That was horrifying to me. I still remember hiding behind a bent wood rocking chair and like freaking out and begging my parents to turn it off um Mm. and that was that was like deeply scary for me um and I, i i mean i don't know why necessarily uh other than like i don't know like uh, I feel like empaths like feel other people's feelings or other characters feelings and so like the oh, fact that totally, the fact totally. that Rabbit was scared and terrified to that point was like <gasps> oh. oh my god I can feel it too and mm. so that was mm-hmm. like the first the first time that I remember being like really really afraid
0: that's interesting because I thought you were going to say the hef, the Heffalumps and Woozles scene like where it's like super psychedelic ah
2: that was weird but it didn't bother me that much. I
0: remember as a kid being like this is bizarre like I've never seen anything like this type of bizarre and then like. Well it
2: is the same episode
0: Yeah but yeah. The, the forest cool. stuff was like not not as creepy to me. Somebody
2: was tripped out when they were writing oh, yeah. that episode. <laughs> it was most of them. <laughs> the, who wrote
1: most the boat them. scene in Willy Wonka you know it's Oh like... yeah
2: Yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah, but no. The the, the yeah, we Lumps could talk
0: about trippy cartoons and yeah. like old shows, like all, all, all episodes. No,
2: Heffalumps and Woozles was like it was weird. It was trippy, but it was fine. It was the like, yeah, that absolute terror. And like, I still remember like the part where Rabbit starts to wring his ears, and he just like grabs his ears and he starts to twist them.
1: Yep. <laughs> Does that still give you like a nauseous, like uh, yeah? I still feel sweaty like sweaty palms and
2: gross, and just I can't handle it, and just like <laughs> horrible, like yeah.
1: <sighs> yep. No, I get it. I get it. I I used to be I used to be terrified of some really weird stuff mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have uh, over the years. I have really like rationally confronted and and gotten over, and you know I'm kind of proud of myself for that because I used to be terribly embarrassed to admit things like you know, we, if I was at a pool party and we were all hanging out in the pool and then everybody got out, I would panic if I was the last person in the pool. I had to get out mm. because I was absolutely convinced that sharks were going to get me <laughs> <laughs> in the pool. In the pool, people. That's awesome. Not even in like a lake or anything else, but like the same thing. I couldn't mm. go tubing
2: uh, mm. because if
1: I fell off the tube and I was sitting in the water, I would, I would immediately start thinking of all of that Dark m- water between myself and the bottom of the lake, and God only yeah. knows what's down there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, of course, it's some kind of prehistoric, you know, like mutant that it's survives the, the dinosaur age. Yeah. You know, and it's going to eat or tickle my feet. You yes. know, it's like yeah. something touch know, me. So.
2: I, d- I mean, I don't yeah. like lakes for the same reason. Actually, oh, I know, and it's, I love it's
1: absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I
2: love <laughs> swimming, but fresh water is like I, I don't like it. I, I mean, I'm good with chlorinated water or salt water. Those are my two preferences cuz by and large the ocean is clear enough to see at least where you're at. And right. uh yeah. yeah, same with the pool. But
1: Yeah, lakes are just mud holes with water in them. I mean, I, that's I all it don't is.
2: like <laughs> it. I don't like it.
0: There's no. definitely uh, something all the, eerie. All the sturgeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something <laughs> eerie about that the the way the water especially in a lake like gets dark like that and then like like there's nothing like that darkness of like what's underneath the water.
2: Mm-mm. Nope.
1: Nope. Mm-mm. And that, that reminds me of like the first time, like I mean, I remember the first scary movie I ever watched. Um, and I was one of those kids who my daughter has become. And <laughs> I am really one hundred percent sure that this is God's way of punishing me for all of the really dumb <laughs> garbage I did as a kid. He's like you now have one of your own, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and I remember my parents. Uh, this was this is how old, uh, long ago this was. Is you know, my parents couldn't even afford a VCR, so you would have to rent them back when they first came
2: out. Oh my gosh! So
1: they had rented this giant machine. I swear you could like you know find the G ge- you know s- sequence the human genome on this thing it was so big, and it was like it's just this monstrous metal, hard, sharp edges and everything. And you know you would hit this button and out of the top would pop this hole that you would like you know slide a VHS in, put it down, and hit play, and it made all kinds of whirring and clicking noises until the movie started. Um, so they had rented a Nightmare on Elm Street the original movie. Right Now they had put their kids to bed. Everything is, um, everybody is, is, uh, is chilled. All the kids are in bed. Um, and uh, we're like, I'm hearing, hearing downstairs, uh, my parents laughing and having a good time. And I'm in bed just thinking, this is, this is BS.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> in bed.
1: They're having a good time. I want to have a good time. (laughs) So, you know, I do what every kid who's been put to bed does is they come downstairs and I'm like, "Uh, I'm rubbing my eye and I can't, uh, mom, mom, dad, I can't, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. And they're like, nope, nope, you're not watching this. Go back to bed. And, and, you know, my dad marches me back to bed and I come back down five minutes later. I can't, can't sleep. Can I just sit I just sit on the couch I won't watch and my dad looks at me and he's just like if you get scared from this movie you can scream all night long I'm not coming into your room to help you do you understand I was like oh yeah it's not gonna be a problem I have no problems at all right so he's like okay so he, he walks me in and he's like apologizing to like, you know, him and my mom's friends. And they're like, you know, there's only like two or three of them in there, but if, you know, the lights are all out, it's dark. Mm -hmm. People got popcorn. Like there's a bottle of wine. My dad's literally drinking whiskey straight from the bottle. You know, it's that kind (laughs) of a night for adults. I don't know what's going on, but I'm like, I'm more weirded out by that than actually watching this movie. So I'm sitting down and I, I'm like, I've got the little blanket on and I'm trying to pretend like I'm sleeping, but I'm like looking through the little slit in my eye at the screen and the first thing I see is like, you know, Freddy Krueger dragging this body in a bloody body bag down a hallway oh. of a school. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <And I
2: can't. laughs> I'm
1: terrified. But now I'm too scared to go back to bed with no adults nearby. And I'm too scared to sit and watch this. So I have just hosed myself. I, am, I, can't, I have no good uh, <laughs> like, course of action here like at all. And so I have to sit through the rest of the movie and I kind of go back and forth between watching it and not watching it. And uh, I was terrified that night, like just absolutely terrified. Uh, And yes, I called like, Mom, Dad, Mom. Guess what? Nobody came. No one came to help me. And I deserved it because this was, this was what I got. I was old enough to know better and like connived my way in there. So this was like my, you know, my, my comeuppance. Now we can talk about whether my parents did a good or bad thing or not. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, what I do know is that that became a taboo for me is I loved scary movies. After that, I loved being terrified. I loved that adrenaline surge of feeling alive and wanting the fight or flight uh, adrenaline rush when I saw somebody get stabbed or slashed in a movie. And it, and it was a weird kind of like sick fascination. Cause you know, I, when I was watching these movies, it was the eighties. So it was like the mid to late eighties. And that was all slasher movies, all like, you know, and they're all like real sick morality plays. Like, you know, don't have sex in the woods. Cause you know, you'll get stabbed to death or, you know, <laughs> you know something like that or crushed by a, you know, a tree because, you know, right. you were being immoral or whatever. And, um, you know uh but over time it it, you know i i grew to not i like look past the gore and stuff like that and actually to kind of relax into it and you know i don't know if that's a coping mechanism or if what that is but i i really began to enjoy the adrenaline rush and the and the um that kind of like i said fight or flight uh like (sighs) feeling of uh of watching those things and i still do to this day um only i don't I don't really feel that too often, except for one movie, which I will highly recommend later. We'll talk about this later, because it's got a great story <laughs> attached to it.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's Fair go. enough. Um, that, so it's interesting that you mentioned the fight-or-flight response and, like, what that makes you do for, like, watching those films and, and that experience with that. I mean, I remember seeing uh, probably movies, not, not, not like that. I didn't have any experiences like that where I walked in and saw, like, you know, a horror film of that caliber. While was Holy cow,
1: dude. I mean, I, I could see it vividly. I see the whole room. Like it was like a branding iron just seared, seared into yeah, my, yeah. you know, like, you know, visual, like right retinas or my, you know, cerebral cortex Just and it'll be there forever.
0: Right. And, and like, strangely enough, like for me, there were movies that did that same thing. Like I remember being, you know, six or seven and seeing Jurassic Park for the first time. Um, Or Jaws, because it was still, like, even though it was a scary movie, it was, you know, now, like, you know, 25 years removed or whatever from when it was made, and so it wasn't as scary as what was coming out in the 90s, and so it was, and it was PG-13 or whatever it was when it came out, uh, (laughs) right, and so... Like, seeing those things and then, like, giving that fear, of, oh, I'm f- afraid of the water. Absolutely. I know there's no dinosaurs, but how come they're here in my dreams? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, exactly. that type of the way that the body then is processing this. And, like, now I enjoy watching those those movies, like you said, but there is still something when it comes to, like, pure horror films that I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I just, I don't need to touch that. <laughs> I am totally fine being ignorant and blind to whatever that chaos is. Um, oh man, but at yeah. the same time, I, I feel you. At the same time, I really love like suspense thrillers and um, even even things that have like a bit of fear a fear element or scary element to them but are built around something more like suspense and real so like like stranger things you get some of that like creepiness and and scariness or whatever but it's not horror film um even Mm -hmm. though it pays a lot of homage to that Um, or things like mindhunter where it's built around these real scary like instances that have taken place but then they're they're built in such a way we're like man this is creepy and like there's suspense and like attention to it but it's not caked in just like mass like Horrific disgust, even though there are those moments. Right.
1: It's not, it's not trying to be shocking and gory. Like the, the mutilation or the blood factor is not what it, you know, cause we see that. And then I think our primal, like our, our guttural instinct is to go blood. This is a wound. This is death. We run from that. We recoil from that because part of our biology understands this is death. This is, this is the end of things. We don't want to be around this. Right. So we right. run because we don't want the end of our biological life here. Right. Um, uh, but like you, you mentioned Mindhunter, which is one of my favorite series I've ever watched. I just love it to death. Um, I think Jonathan Groff and the rest of the cast are just incredible yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, those are the things that scare me. The the evil of of a real live human being, like you know, kidnapping you, or or you know the the loss of control, the humiliation of yourself for someone else's like sick pleasure when it's you know, of course uh, you know, done against your will, uh, and, 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 uh, uh, the loss of like, you know, I, I can think of nothing scarier to me than the, the harming of a child. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't bear, like, it's very hard for me to bear those kinds of imagery Mm -hmm. on television. And, and even today, thankfully there is still like, it's implied, but it's not really shown. We don't really show children being, um, mutilated, um, or anything like that, because I think that there's definitely a line that, that has rarely been crossed and that's one of them. Um, so it's always the, the things that are plausible that are scary to me. Um, because again, it, for me, it is about the loss of control. I, I didn't protect my kids. I didn't protect my wife or my friends or my siblings or whoever, you know, it is. I failed and it's, it's a, it's a finger pointing back at me, but then also it's, um, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, like a searching or an exploration of the evil that all of us are, you know, somewhat capable of. Mm. Uh, and so it's always a mirror and, and then it's always a reflection of the society around us, which that's that's why they're so scary.
2: Yeah, I, I resonate with that a lot. Like I can handle yeah. the I actually weirdly can handle more of the n- not like horror level, but I can handle more of like violence. Than I can uh, the idea of, like you were saying, the loss of control, the loss of agency, um, those yeah. things. Those are far scarier to me, um, you know, because of personal history and sure. things like that. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think they take a certain level of deviousness to, to say um, for an individual to go, I know this is terrifying to you and I take joy in doing it. And I take, I get thrill, I get off on your pain. I get off on your, um, your, uh, your torture, uh, to hurting you, not only physically, but maybe psychologically and mentally. I mean, those are, that's actual evil to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's evil, you know? Um, and I, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I, I, you know, when I run through scenarios in my head, like if somebody were to kidnap my child, um, or to kill them, what am I willing to do to to see justice done? Am I more interested in justice or am I more interested in revenge? Uh, do I want Do I want the death of this person at my own hands because it will make I think it will make me feel better when I know the whole time that it really won't. It will make me feel worse. But um, to 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 physically see myself bring about the end of this other being who ended somebody that was close to me is, is gratifying on a purely primal level. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I have to, as much as I wish I could, uh, really like part of me goes, I would totally do that. And then there's the other part of me that goes, no, you're too, you are too much of an empath to really go through with it. You might try and you might ignore yourself up to that point, but ultimately you, I don't think you would do this. And uh, so I'm grateful for (laughs) for that part of me, right? Uh, you know, but, uh, but I really, I mean, I, uh, those are, those are where I play with that tension, that tension between what is, is, uh, is entertainment and what is, uh, what is a mirror into my own darkness, you
2: know? Oh yeah, definitely.
0: For sure. I think that, that, I mean, that's a clear point to make, too, like, and also an interesting one to make, like, that I I find the unrealistic sometimes more scary or, like, more mm. frightening yeah. than I do the things that are sometimes built reality. Now, again, like, Mindhunter as the example there, like, I don't necessarily go out and watch every show on real killers because, like, that it does get too real and too frightening. But, oh, sure. but built in a fictional setting and also dealing with people who have already had their comeuppance, as you know, you said before, take place. It's a le- little easier to sit on the other side of that, especially in like that show, for example, and deal with the intellectual mind that says, "Why did this happen? How can we prevent it from happening?" And that tension of like almost you know outsmarting these psycho geniuses who have gotten away with so much for so long or whatever. Certainly. Um,
1: well, one of the shows that I think I really, really, really enjoyed uh, quite, quite much, uh, quite much, quite a lot. I don't know what the <laughs> I, I, uh, the English I'm I swear to you, I am smart. I'm an intelligent person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark uh, on HBO, which is the um, it's a documentary. I think it's a six episode documentary that is done uh, on the book by Nora McNamara, who was the um Wife of Patton Oswalt, the comedian, um, but she uh, she died before she could finish the book, and Patton uh, and her team of people ended up finishing the book. But it is the documentary of uh, her journey to find the uh, I think it's the East Area Rapist in um, California, and uh, she, it was a guy who basically did a bunch of uh, of like break-ins and some murders and some raping in the um, in the '70s, and was never caught. And uh, the you know the good the the wonderfulness of this story is is that she uh, you know, because of her efforts he was found and put to jail and because of this book and so the book the documentary goes through um, kind of the making of the book and also the uh, the the outlining of all the crimes and stuff this guy did um, but it was a fascinating look and you're you're uh, of the time and they interview the survivors of of this guy alongside i mean and it's just heartbreaking to watch this yeah and um and i don't i don't i mean i really don't understand why i'm fascinated by this um <laughs> i think i have some baggage to unpack somewhere but there's there's something about about that that is you know i have said before on this show i have you know i identify as an empath i feel a lot of feelings for everybody uh, and I definitely absorb a lot of the emotional energy in a room when people are you know feeling negative or feeling really positive I feel all of that and it's it's you know um. so watching this show was a combination of joy and uh, when when they would have a breakthrough and get a step closer to finding out who this guy was and then also heartbreak when you hear the stories of the survivors and what this guy did to them and you're just so angry and so upset and you feel all that rage and that elation and it's just this adrenaline ride. And maybe, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe it's the adrenaline. It's the, I need to feel alive, you know, and uh, on some level, and this helps me to, to feel that, you know?
2: Yeah. I think that that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me, the adrenaline uh, part of it, because for me, like this now, I will never watch that. First of all, <laughs> but, sure, I get it. But the idea of somebody like being brought to justice to me—that's that's the part that I want to see—is like, yeah, 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 they, you know what, they caught him and they got him, um, and that's the that's the part of me kind of like what you were talking about before that like kind of teeters on that line of like, what would I do if I if I. Oh, yeah. And I uh, like to a certain degree. I know what I what I would do because I've. uh, We'll get to the Corn Maze story later. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) like, at what point does it cease being self defense and justice? And at what point does it become like revenge? Because that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And it's easy, like in that journey of um, whether it's healing or you know becoming a more whole person, uh, kind of like teetering on that line of m- how much of this will bring me and uh, like closure and, and wholeness and healing and how much of this is my trauma running the show and is my pain running the show and saying
0: uh, like, sure. I'm gonna
2: unleash all of my rage on you because I'm just so pissed off and mm-hmm. you know, um, but that, that's the kind of thing, like the fight or flight sensation, when you are accustomed to that feeling and you are not in control, then it becomes really addictive when you are in control, um, oh, <laughs> which, you know, like for me, that was like when I started training in, in boxing and in uh, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, that like fight or flight, that in extreme adrenaline rush when I started sparring and grappling, those things were like, I loved that because I had the adrenaline rush. I had the fight, flight or freeze, but I was in control. And I could choose what I was going to do and I could fight back and I could hurt back. And you know what I mean? Sure. So it, it becomes like really, it becomes really addictive.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. That, that, that sense of control, I think, you know, like I, I philosophically waffle between the whole idea of, uh, you know, we're in control of our destiny and then uh, the, the whole, we are in charge of nothing. Chaos is, you know, chaos is in control and we exist by the grace of God, you know, kind of thing. Um, So I'm always kind of somewhere in between those things. I'm sorry, Nick, I cut you
0: off. Oh, I was just saying suspended in that chaos.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's just like, it's, you know, and I think, you know, the times when I desire control the most, uh, I lean, of course, towards the, I'm in control of my destiny. I make the decisions today. I get to do this or I get to do that. But then I have a cup of coffee and I realize that um, I've just chemically stimulated myself uh, into a whole other mood I'm <laughs> in control of, of a damn thing, you know, yeah. like, this coffee, Pretty this much. coffee just changed my whole mood. I can't, I can't trust myself ever with anything I ever do yeah. uh, beca- because I'm so easily manipulated by my own environment. Mm. Um, so, you know, um, so somewhere in between there is, is the uh, balance I think is, yeah. you know, uh, but, but like the, the control, man. I mean, that's a drug, right? Oh yeah. That's uh to feel like you are the one, uh, pulling all of the strings of, of everything going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's like a, that's the power trip, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the ultimate desire is to have the power to control other, I think other people to get them to do what you want. That's the, the darkest, uh, I think the darkest part of ourselves is to get what we want and to get others to do it for us too. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, absolutely. And, uh,
1: you know that we got to check that all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Did you find that that increased when you had kids?
1: Uh, for my firstborn, Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would say that when, uh, when my daughter Hayden was born, uh, I, I went through that as soon as I saw my daughter in the flesh for the first time mm-hmm. um, there was like a switch that I could sense was just like flicked in my uh, consciousness and uh, there was no there was no going back ever I this was it this was a defining moment in my life um, Before that she was a theoretical baby um, you know she she existed inside my you know, my, my wife's body and one day she would come out, but that day was not today. So, you know, there was one day there will be a baby and one day I will be a dad and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm setting up all of these, you know, philosophical ideas. Well, I'm going to make sure she, she likes this kind of music and she does this, so, you know, all this kind of the dumb stuff that you don't really care about once you actually have a kid, but you right. think you're going to care about like, she's going to be a Pearl Jam fan. If I have <laughs> anything to say about this, right. You know, and then like she grows up and she likes Drake and you're just really disappointed in her. You
0: know, <laughs> yeah. uh, That, that no, sounds too personal. No, to it's <laughs> <Right. laughs>
1: got oddly specific. Yeah. Um,
0: uh,
1: no, you know, it's just things like that. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, none of that really matters. You know, when you when you see your kid, you're just like you're counting toes and you're counting fingers. And that's yeah. what matters. right? Yeah. Um, but that that switch was flicked in my head. And I realized that the person I was before that moment, literally seconds before, is gone forever.
2: Yeah. That was yep. a part right. of
1: me yeah. that exists and it will always be there. But they are no longer in the driver's seat. And that person lived for themselves and that person, you know, even though you, you know, I was married and had been married for quite a while, that person, um, always looked out for my, my own personal interests. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to go to a movie, I dropped everything and just went to the movies. Mm -hmm. Yay. I could do a double feature. Yes. Let's do that. Right. Um, and then when you have kids, it's like, it's a seven day or longer journey to go to the movies because you have to find a sitter (laughs) and, and even getting out the door, you have to start like two hours before you actually want to leave.
2: Yes. So
1: there's no, there's no going out the door at the drop. Like, Hey, I want Starbucks at 3 PM. So, okay. So it's noon. So I got to start like getting ready, like in an hour. Yeah. So what can I do with this hour that I have now between when I need to get ready to go to Starbucks, you know? (laughs) Um, but that sense of control was there. It was like yeah. um, I needed to create some kind of control out of the absolute chaos of a newborn child. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so my my methods and mine my, and my, my, my wife's methods of survival was, was really funny. We would alternate. Um, basically, I would take a shift and let her go to bed. So she would go to bed at 9 in the evening mm-hmm. and sleep till at least 3 a.m. Uh, And during that time, I stayed awake the entire time. So I was awake until 3 a.m. every day. Uh, And uh, I just watched Food Network because I only had (laughs) basic cable um so i just literally i'm i i it is so stupid but uh i i started after about like three or four weeks i started living for certain days of the week like oh hell yes it's tuesday uh bobby flay's throwdown is on the night for like two hours yes (laughs) you know uh and then you know i you know i'd watch iron chef and i'd be like oh Oh, at two my last thing before bed iron chef yes let's do this right um It was, it was so, so ridiculous. And I did that for like, you know, nine months uh, every night till, you know, and that was how I survived. And then Mm -hmm. at 3am I would take my daughter who at finally would pass out. That's why we did it at that time. She would Mm -hmm. finally pass out at 3am. I would take her to my, my wife who was in the bedroom. And at that point, like, okay, you're in charge. So if she wakes up, you're taking care of her. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to bed in the spare bedroom so I can kind of like get some solid sleep. So I would get six hours of sleep uninterrupted and, um, Get up in the next day, uh, in like the first three months of my daughter's life, I can't remember anything because mm. you know, it was just survival. It's yeah, just your survival. It's a blur. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah,
1: any control in that in that kind of environment is is really vital, and that definitely exacerbated uh, any control uh, issues that I had uh, because yeah. you know <laughs> I'm, I'm out of control. I can't work at a a steady. Uh, like rhythm with my art and I can't do anything because here's this kid who at the drop of a hat needs an entire diaper change or outfit change, or she needs to get up and go do something or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, whatever babies you know, have. So, yeah. But that's a whole other topic. I mean, it we're, 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 we're supposed to be talking spooky things, right? right. Mean, but <laughs> if you haven't ever opened a diaper that is pure liquid, uh, you don't know. spooky.
0: <laughs> okay? yep. It ain't real unless you've had children's diarrhea.
1: Yeah, unless that it's literally uh, like watered down pea yeah. green soup, <laughs> yeah. you don't oh. understand this what looks spooky this is. looks greener <laughs> than it so did bad. when it went
0: in you. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop.
2: <laughs>
1: oh yeah, it's 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 not fun.
0: Hopefully, yeah. those of you listening are traveling near a vomit bag.
2: Yeah, well, I asked because I remember when we when I had my first and we were in the hospital. She had a short NICU stay. And uh, I remember one of the nights when she was in the NICU, I dreamed that the nurses didn't bring her to me. Um, the NICU nurses didn't bring her to me when she was supposed to breastfeed, and they gave her a bottle of formula instead. And I got really upset. And in my dream, this is very, it gets extremely violent and horrible. <laughs> um, I like, in, in my dream, I lined all of the nurses up and then I interrogated them all, and then I stabbed the one responsible to death and i, I've I you know never... what? there's a part
1: of me that loves everything about that i love that story
2: <laughs> i i like scared myself i woke up and i was like i'm a monster <laughs> you know it's like
1: yes i'm a monster you know.
2: <laughs> but like i remember that being like the first moment where i realized i will literally do anything to protect my child
1: i will literally stab someone for you yeah yeah, you know,
2: right? yeah like I, I will do anything i don't care no re- no regrets oh, no conscience that's
0: that's off the record though
2: yeah that's sorry guys <laughs>
0: sorry uh this we're gonna not scrub the last no, no, this not this conversation not yeah, that's not permissible <laughs> um so that I, I, it's, it, it's just this conversation though in general even though it's turned a little bit though it's fascinating just the this idea again, thinking of like the conscious, the subconscious, the intellectual mind, oh, yeah. and the way yeah. that it relates to fear, and even in that idea of control and chaos, and how little control we have when we are afraid, even if we're yeah. in fight mode, like it's still something that is switched on within us that we yeah. don't totally have control over completely, right? We yeah. might we might right. have the skills and the knowledge to fight, but that doesn't mean that we're completely in control at all times, right? And um, I think that idea behind how our brain processes fear um, and the hormones and adrenaline that just like run through your mind when something takes place is is a fascinating concept, even in the state of, you know, like, like we've been talking about as a parent and the things that we worry about, we fear, that we care about when it comes to our children to see them not just succeed, but to survive and to become their own personalities, their own people um, and, and what that looks like. And I think that's a fear that at least I experience on a daily basis, you know, that is, even if it's not at the forefront of my mind is in the back of my mind. Like it's always there, you know, how, how are they going to do today? How is yeah. this, is this going to be okay? What's going on? And so even though it's a, it's a different type of fear, it's still fear and it's there.
2: Yeah. And it, it oh, sure. runs our life. Right. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's weird how like, it's weird to me. That we we have kind of like as 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 a species, you know, we have we have set up ourselves to have like all of this knowledge. We can we can see so much of the universe, you know. We can see how big the universe is. We we know that there are billions upon billions of stars and all of these things, and and yet we we still can't seem to get over our own um, our own like biological you know, we can, we know, we know physics, we know uh, how the, you know, large portions of how the universe works. We have, we have determined that time speeds up and slows down when two black holes collide uh, and they set off like a graviton pulse or some you know, I forget what it's called, but all of these really amazing things. And our knowledge is so, uh, it, it, you know, uh, like huge yet You know, I still can't get out of bed and not be a total piece of crap human being without a cup of coffee in the morning, because I need that little chemical stimulant to like mellow me out and to even out my my my, you know my body chemistry because I'm a fool.
0: Right, we are so so smart (laughs) and yet so so dumb. Right, so smart, so so dumb.
1: It's like it's it's like I, I always I am constantly going back to that quote that Ian Malcolm says uh, in in Jurassic Park about the whole idea of you know we were so preoccupied with whether or not we could we didn't stop to think about with whether or not we should uh, and it, it uh, and although yeah. that doesn't directly apply to what I'm saying it's the concept of we are always going f- our 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 desire and our our uh, far extends our reach
0: as yeah. people um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and. And, and so that's, um, that's all I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> Join us next week as we continue the conversation about fear and the things that scare us as we talk to Caleb King again. Stay tuned for more next week. Thanks.